Welcome to All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. I'm your host, April Simmons. This podcast contains true cases of graphic violent crimes and other stories of a dark nature. Please be advised that due to the subject matter and violent, sometimes sexual content and obscene language, this podcast is not for children or the faint of heart. Come How it is. What? <laughs> How it is? <laughs> I don't know. Warm it up, Chris. I'm about to. Warm it up, Chris. That's what I was bound to do. I think that's the right. word. I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else in the world is like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, we could just instead sing some like Millie Vanilli or something and go even more. Blame it on the rain No, no, no. You're doing the Michael McDonald voice for Sorry. <laughs> it's pretty close. Uh, yeah. Pretty close to the same voice. Yeah. How is everybody? You can't answer me, so I don't know why I'm even asking. But, uh,. We decided to do something a little bit more happy because we spent like what a month and a half doing Halloween episodes that were really dark and messed up. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how else to explain that, but um, so we, I decided to do something a little bit more lighthearted. There is some still some dark stories in here, but they have a happy ending. <laughs> so so I, I gave us some happy ending stuff. Happier endings. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing this. The next, we're doing a two-part episode about basically missing kids that were found alive. Oh. So that I I was inspired by the um, the little girl in Australia that came up missing, and she they actually found her um, alive. And I was just so happy because you that is so rare for that to happen, especially if it's been more than like a day or so, you're probably yeah. not going to see that kid again, you know. Um, and so it made me so happy to see that because I'd been following the little girl being missing and then the cops found her alive. Uh, we still don't have the whole story on that, but I was just so friggin' excited that little girl was saying i was like i need to do an episode about this um so this is just a list it's not a comprehensive list i just went you know did some a little bit of google searching and compiled a list of um i guess more famous ones (laughs) um that i was able to find enough info on so we're not going in depth with these cases we're just basically telling you enough about a, a little summary of the story a little something. Um, a little something. Here we go. Let's get into it. Kara Robinson Chamberlain was kidnapped by a serial killer and held for 18 hours in 2002. 
Uh, 15-year-old Chamberlain was watering her friend's plants when a man drove up in a car, asked her to come closer so he could give her a brochure. She told Crime Watch Daily. When she got close enough, he put a gun to her neck and forced her to get in his trunk. Chamberlain was then held inside a container in his trunk before he took her to his apartment and repeatedly sexually assaulted her. After 18 hours, Chamberlain escaped by waiting for her captor to fall asleep, wriggled out of her restraints, and ran out the front door, BuzzFeed reported. She eventually flagged someone down to help her. Of course, she was lucky to escape, but Chamberlain didn't know how lucky her kidnapper her kidnapper turned out to be Richard Ivonitz, who was later connected to three murders, making him a serial killer. He ended up shooting himself when he was cornered by police in 2002. Yeah. So even though it's not exactly a happy situation, it was a happy ending. She escaped and, and then yeah. he killed himself because he knew he was about to be caught, I guess. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, a happy ending. Uh, yeah. Escaping, caught, and dead. Yeah. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. All right. Um, and did you ever watch a book abducted in plain sight? That's what no. this next one is about. Okay. Well, get ready because it's a weird one. <laughs> mm, okay. New to me. Jan Broberg details not one but two instances, instances of her own kidnapping in the true, tri- true crime documentary abducted in plain sight. I cannot talk. That is pretty standard. Sorry, guys. The first time Broberg was taken in 1974, she was 12 years old. A family friend and neighbor, Robert B. Birch, told, convinced her mother to let her go horseback riding with him, but instead he drugged Broberg and staged a kidnapping to make it look like they had both been taken. In reality, Birch told, told Broberg, uh, took Broberg to Mexico where he married her. They were found after five weeks and Birch told charged with kidnapping was sentenced to serve five years in jail, though he only ended up serving ten days. Yeah. Birch told had brainwashed Broberg during their time in Mexico. She believed that she loved Birch told and that she must have a baby with him to appease alien invaders. Yep. The two kept in touch and Birch told slowly re-ingratiated himself into the Bro- Bloberg- Broberg's <laughs> lives. In fact, he had an affair with both Jan's mother and father. Well, hot damn. That's... Whew. What did this guy look like? like, um, I I can't remember, but... uh, No, he played, like, tapes for her. Like, he recorded cassette tapes that supposedly from the alien invaders or whatever. Like, he drugged her played these tapes for her, had her convinced that they were chosen chosen ones for the aliens to, like, be together and have babies and make way for the alien invasion or, I don't know, something weird like that. But she was a child, um, and he drugged her. I can't really make an excuse for why she believed that crap that would make anybody really happy, but she did. And... Not only did, I mean, like, the parents allowed him to be in her life both before and after this first kidnapping because they were being charmed by him, too. Like, that's, he had no interest in them. He was charming them to have access to to their daughter. That's so messed up. It is very messed up. But I highly recommend, if you haven't seen that documentary, it is insane. Yeah. So two years after the first kidnapping, he took her again, this time to Pasadena, California, 
Eventually, the FBI located the two and forced Broberg to return home. Birchtold spent about a month in jail before being transferred to a mental hospital where he spent about six months. He died in 2005 due to an intentional overdose, according to his brother. Yeah. So, basically, he was never really punished for either kidnapping yeah. case or the fact that he took this child to Mexico and married her and, you know, convinced her to have sex with him, basically, repeatedly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's really, ma- that's like, that's, it's a dark story, but it's also so bizarre like the whole alien aspect yeah all that stuff and the fact that the parents the straight dad allowed stuff to happen with the dude yeah um and it's when you see the dad you're gonna be like do what yeah like how did he let that happen because i think they were even mormons or something like they were really either way they were very conservative people and he let yeah. this dude talk him into doing stuff sexually. Like, wow. I was just like, is he was he like a Manson level charmer, that guy? I yeah, don't... he had to be. I mean, to keep doing that to that fucking family. Yeah. Alright, next story. So that one was a little bit dark, but we're gonna just keep keep rolling. Because at least she made it out the other side and she's okay. Yeah. Jamie Kloss was found 87 days after she vanished from her home home on a street 70 miles away. 13-year-old Kloss went missing from her Wisconsin home on October 15th, the same night her parents were found fatally shot inside. This is recent. This was like a few years ago, I think. Um, Sometime before COVID, which I guess could be any year at this point because it's hard to keep track. Um, The Kloss herself was quickly ruled out as a suspect. For months, authorities pursued thousands of tips, watched dozens of surveillance videos, and conducted numerous searches in the effort to find Jamie and led officials to recruit 2,000 volunteers for a massive ground search on October 23rd to no avail. However, on January 10th, Kloss was found outside the small town of Gordon about an hour away from her home. According to CNN, Gordon resident Kristen Cussons Scott Kaczynskis was at home when her neighbor pounded on the door and explained that she had found Kloss. The neighbor said that Kloss approached her while she was walking her dog and was so unnerved that she refused to say her name. A suspect in the deaths of her parents and her kidnapping was taken into custody. Barron County Sheriff Chris Fitzgerald announced at a press conference in January 2019 that 21-year-old Jake Thomas Patterson was being held on charges of homicide for the murder of Klaus's parents, as well as for her kidnapping. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. Well, and I don't really have a... I, I really wish we had more to the story. Like, why did he kidnap her in yeah. particular? or And why did he kill the parents? Why was that necessary? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, that's crazy. But I mean, we're here, you know, obviously to tell the short, happy versions. So, yeah. Um, and the next right. one's Elizabeth Smart, which is probably one of the most famous lost and found stories. Yeah. Um, and I've read her book. It's really good, by the way. Yeah. Smart. Was, uh, Elizabeth Smart was found nine months after she was kidnapped in 2003. 
Smart was 14 years old when 48-year-old drifter Brian David Mitchell broke into her home in Salt Lake City, Utah on June 5, 2002. He took her to an encampment in the woods outside of Salt Lake City and, and introduced her to his wife and accomplice, Wanda Barzee. For nine months, she was repeatedly abused and sexually assaulted. Apparently, Smart was taken into public by Mitchell and Barzee a few times wearing a wig and a veil. Once they were questioned by the police, but, but claimed the veils were due to religious beliefs. The breakthrough in the case came in October 2002 when Smart's sister, Mary Catherine, who had witnessed the initial kidnapping, suddenly recognized the voice of her sister's kidnapper as a man named Emmanuel that the family had employed briefly to rake leaves and do some roof repair. A sketch of Emmanuel was publicized and eventually led to the arrest of Mitchell and Barzee in March 2003. Barzee was later sentenced to 15 years in prison, but released in September 2018. Mitchell was sentenced to life in prison. So I know a little bit more about this because, like I said, I read her book about it. Yeah. Um, he was, it was basically the beginnings of a cult. Mm. Uh, his wife, or whatever you want to call her, um, Wanda, uh, was following his weird cultish, you know, I communicate directly to God kind of thing. Yeah. Like, um, and he was told that he was commanded by God to take several wives, you know, that sort of thing, like yeah. a lot of them do. Because um, we've discussed this in our Red Flags episodes yeah. about cults. Like, I, I think he just wanted to be able to get away with the behavior that he wanted to do. So he used yeah. a communication with God as his excuse. Yeah. Um, and so she was basically a child and she you know he was a, she was 14 when yeah. this happened and he had uh, already he had, seen Marin was like I want this one let me make up an excuse yeah um so he kidnapped her from her home he was already he was familiar with the family and their home because um he rakes the leaves yeah he well he did some odd jobs for them I think that the, this is the mother saw them I think begging on the street or something and said yeah. hey you know she being a decent Christian woman saw them in need and said hey we probably have some odd jobs for you around our house and you can make a little money and feed yourselves yeah you know what I mean like that's what had happened and then he abused that trust and broke in and stole their kid because he saw her and he decided he wanted her yeah. Um. And then they basically lived in the wilderness. They lived on a mountain in the woods. Um, with like in tents. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they moved to California. Like they took a bus to California and lived out in the desert or something. But that didn't work out because they would go days without food and water and stuff like that. And, and eventually, she talked him into moving back. And someone's, and you know, she was uh, being a pretty blonde white girl. She was publicized all over the place. No. So somebody had seen them when they went out somewhere and was like, hey, I, are you Elizabeth Smart? And she wouldn't answer because she was too scared. Because she had already yeah. been told, you know, as per usual, she had been told, like, if we go somewhere and you say something to anybody, I will go kill your family. You know, like, I will. That's what he told her repeatedly is that if she told anybody 
or did anything to escape that he would go find her family and kill them. Yeah. Um, but the person that had tried to ask her was persistent and was just like, no, no, this is, this is her. And I think she called the cops and the cops took her separate and said, nothing's going to happen to you if you just tell us, you know? Yeah. So thank God for that one person. That's just like, no, no, I don't care. She's not answering. This is Elizabeth smart, you know? Um, but she was stuck in that nightmare of assault and servitude, basically, for this man and his wife. Yeah. For nine months. Mm-hmm. Not nearly as long as the next one. The wife treated her pretty crappy, too, because she was jealous. Because, yeah. of course, she was. Because, um, you know, Elizabeth was smart and pretty. and Yeah. And, you know the young and beautiful aspect to where she felt like she was going to lose her man to this kid, basically, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway. I've, I've, I've always just been fascinated with this because she came back from this tragedy and now she goes around and like speaks on, what has happened to her and turning your life around that kind of thing. So she does like public speaking engagements and all kinds of stuff too, I guess, because she just wasn't that person that was going to let this weigh her down for the rest of her life. She took that tragedy and turned it into trying to help other people, you know? Anyway, that's all I was going to say about that. You're actually reading the next one. So, (laughs) Damn it. So just keep talking. This, this is, is the one I'm familiar with, obviously. J.C. Duggard. Yeah. Was missing for 18 years before being rescued. Duggard was grabbed off the street near her home in South Lake Tahoe, California on June 10th, 1991, when she was 11 years old. Her captors were Philip Garrido and his wife, Nancy Bacanegra. I don't know if that's right, but Garrido had previously been in jail for 12 years for raping another woman. Duggard was kept in a shed in the backyard of Garrido's home, three hours away from her home in Antioch County, California. Garrido and his wife abused and raped her for years, resulting in two daughters. Garrido was caught when he showed up at the UC Berkeley campus with his two daughters in 2009 to request permission to hold a special event. His erratic behavior led to a police officer to request a meeting with him, Bacanegra Duggard, and the two children. Although Duggard, 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 I don't know how to pronounce yeah. that actually, uh, introduced herself as a list of the truth was eventually revealed by Garrido during under questioning. Bacanegra was sentenced to 36 years to life and Garrido received 431. Good. Let, yeah. Let's let's see you right there for that long. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what she's going through now that she's out. Because, I mean, that's, yeah, that was... I mean, I guess it's been like 12 years now, but I remember when it first happened, like she was uh, having a really hard time kind of readjusting to life again. But I mean, I can imagine. That, isn't that the one that uh, Room is loosely based on? Possibly. Where they're like, I haven't, I haven't actually forever. watched that one, but yeah. That's a really I mean, good she movie. was almost 30 years old by the time she got out, you know, going in as 11 year old, not finishing her education. Yeah. Had to be fucking hard. 
Your turn. Oh, yeah. No. Kamiya Mobley vanished when she was just a few hours old. She was discovered 18 years later. Wow, so you weren't even fully born and really never get to know your family. Yeah. Mobley was only a few hours old when she was abducted by Gloria Williams on July 10, 1998 from University Medical Center in Jacksonville, Florida. Williams had driven from her South Carolina home to the Florida hospital Mobley was born in after suffering a miscarriage. She smuggled the infant out of the hospital in her purse. For 18 years, Mobley lived in South Carolina with Williams, her husband, and her other kids as as Alexis Manigo. When Mobley was 16, she wanted to get a job, and Williams was forced to explain why Mobley didn't have a valid birth certificate or social security card. For the next year, they lived with a secret until the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children received an anonymous tip and notified the police in January 2017. A DNA match confirmed that Mobley was the missing baby. Mobley has a a strained relationship with her birth mother, Shannara, but is close with her father and grandmother. She has also been vocal in her support for Williams, whom she still calls mom. Williams was sentenced to 18 years in prison in June 2018. Yeah, that's a hard one because she still still loves her family. Yeah, because that's who raised her and she didn't know any better. It doesn't make it right what the mom did. Yeah. So but she's she's in prison for it. But at the same time, like that's who raised her and as long as they had a good relationship, then you can't really blame her for supporting who she knows as her mother. Yeah. Know? But it sounds like she's so she doesn't have a relationship with her actual mother. Like, was it her fault? Like was she giving no. her up for adoption? Like I that's no. what I don't get. How can you really hate the person that's been looking for you for like eighteen years? You know, I think like, that they. She. I think she tried to have a relationship with the birth mother, but I. I get the impression. I. I may be wrong, but I have a feeling it's because the birth mother's not understanding about why she yeah. still supports the mother who kidnapped her. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, yeah, this one's hard because if that woman was just kind of not in her right mind and so upset over a miscarriage, like, how did she even figure out, like? She just drove to a random hospital and to grab the baby. Feel a baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm wondering if there's more connection there, but she just was mourning her lost child, but treated her well, her and her family. Like, yeah. but at the same time, you eventually kind of come out of that. You'd think she would eventually wised up and said, Oh, I need to give this kid back, you know, if she was mentally stable but i have a feeling she still wasn't fully there or was just too scared to give her back to suffer the consequences you know yeah and in that situation i have a little less sympathy you know there was 18 years to right that wrong you know yeah all right it's hard but i guess again happy ending she didn't treat her badly yeah and i mean she is paying with 18 years in prison yeah so she is paying for her mistake so yeah yeah. uh michelle knight amanda berry and gina de de jesus were all kidnapped by the same man between 2002 
and 2004. All three were rescued in 2013. I remember this one too. Nightberry and De Jesus were all abducted by Ariel Castro and held in his Cleveland, Ohio home for a decade. Knight, 21 at the time, was the first to go missing on August 23, 2002. Her family thought she had just run away. Eight months later, on April 21, 2003, Castro kidnapped 16-year-old Barry under the guise of giving her a ride home from her job at Burger King. Barry gave birth to their child, a daughter, in 2006. Almost a year later, De Jesus vanished while walking home from school on April 2nd, 2004. She was 14 at the time. Both De Jesus and Barry accepted rides from Castro because they knew his daughters, whom they went to school with. After years of sexual assault, torture, and starvation, Barry was able to make contact with Castro's neighbors on May 6, 2013, which I've seen like a dramatization of this. Yeah. And it it's intense. After he forgot to lock the front door and she escaped with her daughter, they immediately contacted the police and the two other women were rescued as well. Knight had been missing for 12 years, Castro for 10, and De Jesus for 9. So they were there that long before he made it messed up and made a mistake and didn't lock the door. That's so crazy. Castro, who pleaded guilty to the kidnapping, rape, and assault of the three young women, died by suicide while in prison one month into his life sentence. And I say it wasn't really suicide because he some of these were underage when he kidnapped him, and we know how yeah. that goes in prison. Um, yeah. Or maybe well, he was something, that. But, so um, it says that both two of the girls knew his daughters that they went yeah. to school with. So he also had kids? In the house, yes. So I think he held them in a basement or something like that. He had it really well fortified where they were not allowed out into the rest of the house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So it's it's crazy. I don't know. I just I'm gonna just say like if Justin or James ever just says you can't go into the shed anymore or you can't go into the garage, like stuff like that, like I'm a I'm gonna be questioning that <laughs> if someone just ever stops letting me into a specific room or area of my house or yard, I'm just gonna assume there's people in there. <laughs> yeah. Like who have you kidnapped? Other than maybe like a short period around Christmas, obviously. Yeah. I just have a closet for that. I just cram everything into a closet. <laughs> I literally put everything in Amazon boxes and say, don't touch those boxes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just that lazy that they're just like sitting in giant Amazon boxes where I just shove everybody's presents in and write like Nancy's presents, Justin's presents, and then tell everybody not to touch them. Maybe yeah. they do. Maybe they don't. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, I guess now that I'm older, though, I don't want the surprise ruined for me. It's like the this is like the only happiness I have. Don't get take that from me. I don't want to yeah. know. I don't want no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to know what I'm getting for Christmas or my birthday or stuff ahead of time. I want to just I want to open it and it'd be a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the same. I don't try to spoil myself either. It's just extremely different than from our childhood. Yeah. All right. Is this one mine? 
Yep. I already forgot. Yep. Okay. Stephen Stainer and Timothy White were both kidnapped by the same man, but they managed to escape. Stainer went missing when he was seven years old on December 4th, 1972. He was kidnapped by Kenneth Parnell in Merced, California, after getting into his car. Parnell took him to his cabin in the woods where he told Stainer that his family couldn't afford him anymore and that he had adopted him. Stainer was repeatedly sexually abused by Parnell. When Stainer began to reach puberty, Parnell decided he wanted to kidnap another young boy and eventually abducted six-year-old Timothy White on February 14, 1980. Not wanting another boy to suffer the same fate, Stainer decided it was time for the two of them to escape. Sixteen days after Timothy went missing, the two hitchhiked 40 miles from Parnell's home while he was at work and eventually made it to a police station. Stainer was 14 when he escaped on March 1, 1980. He had been missing for over seven years. Parnell served five years in prison for the kidnappings per SF gate. Parnell was convicted of kidnapping, sent to state prison, and paroled in 1985. He was not charged with sex crimes because under the law at that time, the additional charges would not have added any time to his sentence. He was arrested again in 2003 for trying to buy a four-year-old boy. He was convicted and sentenced to 25 years to life, and he died in prison in 2008. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, this- yeah. That's almost a happy ending. I mean, I'm so happy that they got out. But at the same time, how do we know he wasn't doing something else between 1985 and 2003 that he just didn't get caught for? That's very true, and he probably did. But I I, I just want to give some applause to the the kid who had already been suffering this abuse for seven freaking years, being away from his family, and being subjected to this daily abuse. And then when the guy decides I'm going to kidnap this six-year-old, then he's just like, okay, no, this is not going to happen to this kid. I don't, yeah. I'm not going to allow that. So he has to grow up real fast and make the decision to get them both out. Yeah. You know, I, I, I applaud that because that took some that took major some- balls. Yeah, you know, and unfortunately, I just had to saw it because I was saying, "What? How do we know he didn't do this again?" Kind of like you said with um, John Wayne Gacy, he started killing them because of the police watching him so closely, and he didn't want to get caught again. So there's a good chance that between in those like 18 years before he got caught trying to buy a boy, he very well could have killed some boys in that time. Mm Hmm. Or even Yay, let me make this just, not a happy ending. Yeah, it is though because you know what? That one, the fourteen-year-old boy, saved the six-year-old from yeah. having to suffer what he suffered. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the happy Stop ending. Stop bringing it down. Okay. Well, we're at the end of part one, and next week we'll have the conclusion where we have some more stories for you. So I guess now we're gonna move along um let's see i've got a couple recommends something was wrong i think i mentioned it before it's another it's a one where they tell like toxic stories like you know basically when you realize 
that somebody had some red flags or whatever. That's it's people telling their true stories about that stuff. So it's not necessarily true crime, although there are some stories that have some some of that in there. But it's yeah. really good. And the same with there's another one called that I just started listening to called This Is Actually Happening, where people also tell like, you know, real stories that have happened to them that are really messed up, that kind of thing. Um, and I watched two movies and I have to recommend these. Uh, they're made by, God dang it. What is his name? Anyway, I can't think of it, but it's the dude that acts in the, the league. I don't know if you, you never watched that probably. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, it's movie. We, you know, we've been watching the horror movies and stuff for Halloween and then we kept watching them anyway because they were making us happy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Creep 1 and 2. The first one and the sequel. It is, a. will tell you the basic idea behind it because you find this out two seconds into the movie so it's not really a spoiler. It's like a creepy ass dude that puts in like a Craigslist style ad looking for somebody to come film his life. Um, but he is basically just like a really lonely dude and he's mental. <laughs> like, but there's, it's this weird blend of it's legitimately creepy. Like he's legitimately a creepy character, but there's also some hilarious freaking moments in both movies. And the second one, we laugh so hard. I cannot tell you, but I highly recommend those movies because they're I've never seen a movie be simultaneously actually creepy and funny at the same time. Like it's legitimately both. Yeah. Um, and so those movies made us really freaking happy. I can't tell. They're probably like the best thing we've watched so far because we laughed so hard. Um, but it, yeah, he just keeps putting out these, the Craigslist tall ads for that. And it, it's just <laughs> funny. So funny. Um, yeah, I think that's all for this week. Uh, shout out to Bonna. Um, and tune in next week and we'll have the other lists. And now we'll, I mean, the, yeah, the rest of the list. And then this week's alternate endings. Yeah, this week's alternate endings is Deserted Island. What would you bring? Whoa. But you can only list the five. We're not doing honorable mentions this time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway right. what's your number five I think it's your turn to go first yeah so you'll understand my list eventually but I kind of cheated a little bit but I'm just being smart about it because if I ever go on a cruise or anything that's going to involve me being in water or flying over islands i'm just gonna pack this stuff like i'm being real here so <laughs> number five is a rechargeable flashlight or lantern so mm, one of them that you can crank or solar powered or something yeah yep that's a good one i didn't think of that one yeah. dang it <laughs> <laughs> my number five is stationary because I'm a writer, <laughs> I don't need, need to like write shit down. You know what that's, I mean? <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. You're number four. A blanket. Nice. For multiple purposes, obviously to keep warm, but also like 
could be used to make a tent, could be used to make a fishnet. I mean, really, the blanket could have multiple purposes in the end. Yeah. But but at the same time, I felt like that was something that would be it would make sense that if I'm packing it to go on a trip because you know everybody likes to bring like a neck pillow and things like that on flights. I'm trying to think of things that would make sense for me to just happen to be carrying to go to a you know to end up on a deserted island. <laughs> you know, yeah. I tried to be realistic, but also just me at the same time. Yeah. My number four is fishing line because I thought that could have multiple purposes. Yeah. Um, And particularly to fish, like you could find a stick or something to put the line off on it. And you could probably find a way to adhere a worm or something to it. But the fishing line itself is something you can't really make shift. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just have to spear them or catch them with your bare hands. Fish river style. river style. Yeah, I was thinking that the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Clifford, who used to say that shit all the time. And who um, isn't listening. But anyway. Yeah, absolutely not. But it, just in case. Um, all right. Number three for me is a, a completely loaded Kindle. Oh, man, that's smart until it dies. But yeah. But just wait. I. I'm going to, and I'm actually thinking now already, I'm like, I already have a pretty loaded Kindle because we, you know, buy a lot of books, keep a lot of books, have a lot that we keep on hand or whatever and keep loaded onto our Kindle, like everything Stephen King has ever written, things like that. So obviously reading is really important, but also I'm going to go ahead and put some survival books on my Kindle just to have just in case now. So like. Now that you've thought about it, (laughs) you're like. Yeah. So like books on like how to make fire and chop things certain ways or building things. And then identifying poisonous plants. I'm just going to put this shit on my Kindle from now on. Cool. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> All right. Number three for you. Lighter or matches. I couldn't decide which one, but one of the other probably. Yeah. Um, obviously if it's matches, then you would want the light water, something waterproof to totem in or whatever, but yeah. Um, one of those for yeah. fire, for warmth, or food, or whatever. Yeah. And number two for me, this is my solution to the Kindle, right? And yeah. the rechargeable flashlight or lantern. Solar-powered USB charger. They exist, motherfuckers. Um, so I would get a solar-powered battery charger <laughs> so that I could keep my Kindle. Because here's my thing. like If I end up on a deserted island... I probably, unless it's just like the Lost Island, or even then, probably, um, I'd just, I'd just be like, fucking sweet. (laughs) And I'd just be laying on the beach, make a hammock out of my blanket, (laughs) read some books, (laughs) and just fucking live there. Guys. Like, um, I'll be here till somebody rescues me. (laughs) Or just, I'll just stay. Don't even like make a fire. Just like, no big sign on the beach. Just like, sweet. I'm gonna just read until I die. That's great. Number two for me is probably the most high tech answer out of all of mine, which is not very high tech at all. A multi tool, like one of those little things that has like Like a a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, like I want to have screwdrivers and knives and whatever else stuff that I might need. Yeah, and a corkscrew because why not? Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) all of that stuff. 
Uh, also yeah. thought you could use that as weaponry as well as a tool. Yeah. Need be. Yeah. Yeah. Number one for me is just a knife. So, I mean, I guess a multi-tool would have made more sense, but I just want a really good knife, like yeah. packed in my luggage, you know, like a, like a John Locke from Lost size knife. <laughs> nice. Nice. So I can use it to build my bamboo fort with my blanket hammock yeah. and reed. <laughs> or kill some wild boars, you know, whatever. And I went completely non-tech on my answers pretty much. But my number one is a very large book. Probably something Stephen King related. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what I wrote. A very large book. Something King probably. That's yeah, right. So, I mean, we were both kind of think, thinking the same ways. I just went the super, like, prepared version. Well, like I said, this is stuff that I could really, like, pack in a suitcase or whatever, right? Maybe not a knife. Um, like, I can't imagine, like, if a plane crashes, I'm going to find my own suitcase and unpack my knife or whatever, right? But um, considering I can't have that on a plane anyway, you know, that's my... My, that's the one thing I think I'd really, really need or use. But at the same time, it, there's ways around it, obviously. So you see enough videos. I watch those videos of the guys that build, like, pools and stuff out of dirt and mud like, on on the internet. So I'm like, they find a way. You can sharpen bamboo pretty good with, like, a rock to to do the job. So, But yeah. it would just be preferable if I just already had a knife. It'd probably just make me feel safer. Um, but I think more than anything, I would just want to have a bunch of reading and comfort. <laughs> yeah. And stay there. I'm honestly surprised neither of us put some kind of specific food. Like, I'm going to bring a, you know, giant box of Twinkies. I don't yeah. know, like, something random like that. I'm bring Grease's Nut Rages pack from Sam's Club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing a... You know, fifty pound box full of Vienna sausages. That's what I'm going <laughs> to live off of, right? Yeah. <laughs> Spam. <laughs> oh, no. Let's just hope that whatever plane you were on happens to be also like a FedEx uh, plane and cargo plane. <laughs> yeah, cargo plane. Like in uh, that was what Castaway wasn't he on like a USPS? truck uh, or plane no, he or something. Was FedEx because it, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah see unless you you know happen to get in that kind of plane crash yeah which is probably not what I would be on but still that's it end of part one again yep. bye people see you next Do time bye <laughs>